have to, as long as you have a vault, that's all, since I'm in charge of the cemetery, <laughs> I'll have a vault. So why put a $5,000 casket in the ground and <laughs> cover it up with a vault and all that as well? So we had an interesting day on Thursday. Unfortunately, I had mowed that section of the cemetery. I also mowed the cemetery. And so yesterday, I had my grandsons out there mowing the terraces like this with weed eaters. And uh, so, so the cemetery looked beautiful for Memorial Day. And, um, and we also put the flags out on the veterans' graves and uh, all of that. So I had an interesting week. Um, and then just to add to your story, you know my wife a little bit. She had a spell at prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Fortunately, it was during prayer. We pray for about, we do things different at our church. We have our requests, and we pray for about an hour, and then I have a devotional. Well, fortunately, it was during the prayer time, so um, I was able to get her up off the floor and, and get her up and going, and she finished out the prayer time with the ladies. So, And then yesterday, the ladies had their outing. I see you had yours, what, Thursday? Uh, we had a lot of, Ladies, the first time in their exposure to our church, there were about 40 altogether, counting our ladies of our church, about 40 altogether. And uh, so they had a good time yesterday. And my wife went and had a good time uh, as well. So, and thank you for coming, knowing that I was going to be here. I'm surprised at the crowd. <laughs> so I don't know what it'll be like next week, <laughs> but uh, you're stuck with me anyway. All right, so I trust that you've gotten over COVID and all of that kind of stuff that goes around and comes around again and again and again. We had a lady in our church for the third time had it, and she was back out last Sunday um, at, our, at the home church. At least that's what the pastor told me. He said she was back. Camille was back after having COVID three times. So uh, um, you look healthy. I won't add the next two. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pray then before we begin. <clears throat> and Heavenly Father, I'm sure folks here have had busy week as well. All kinds of things that take place in our lives, in our nation in the world. I would pray for remnant believers in Manipur, that state in India where churches are being burned. I pray especially for my friend Robert and his church and the children's home that he has. Continue to protect that. And this church supports the Chapmans in Moldova. And I would suspect that Refugees are still uh, going through the camp and uh, the need for the chaplains and the staff to minister to them. So I ask that you would give them the supplies they need, maybe bandages, maybe food, maybe uh, clothing for the refugees that are flooding through that area. And we look at the world scene and we hear of earthquakes and volcanoes, tsunami, uh, 
a famine where a million people are expected to die in Africa from that famine. And then we hear of what's taking place in Israel with the rockets being fired into that land and all of the all of the turmoil in the Ukraine and Russia. And we look at our Bibles and we say, even so come Lord Jesus. Not so much that we would escape, but that we would be spared from the great tribulation that is going to come. And so, Lord, we've had all these kinds of thoughts in this past week, but now... I ask that you'd quiet our hearts as we open thy word and that you would meet the need that's found in every person's heart. Some sadness, some joy, some loneliness, some fears, some troubled minds. So I pray that by the word and thy Holy Spirit, you would accomplish this purpose for which it's given today. And thus I pray for the anointing of thy Holy Spirit and his work among us. In Jesus' name, amen. A famous radio TV preacher, well, I might just as well mention his name, he's dead now, D. James Kennedy. He was a Presbyterian out of Coral Ridge, Florida, I believe. He said this, and I quote, Most people think of the church as a drama production. The minister is the chief actor, God is the prompter, and the laity are the critics. What actually is the case is that those in the congregation are the chief actors, the minister is the prompter, and God is the critic, end of quote. Now, I trust that you're not an actor, because an actor is a hypocrite, right? An actor tries to play a role of somebody else. They're, they're a hypocrite. Um, and and uh, actually, uh, he's, he certainly, in that minister's description um, of the meeting in the church, God is the critic, because he's here. And he's examining your heart and my heart. He's the critic. He's the critic. Um, and, and he knows and he sees who is real. And that leads me to ask the question this morning is, what kind of a worshiper are you? What kind of a worshiper are you? If we had time, we won't take the time, we could read Revelation chapter 7 where we find the angels and the cherubims and those gathered around the throne fall on their faces as they bow before the throne there in Revelation chapter 7. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Whole earth is full of his glory. They're worshiping. Uh, now I wonder, although I don't expect any will fall on their face here today and worship, how would your worship be described? This is called a worship service. 
So how would your worship be described? How would it be described by your attitude? your worship be described by your attitude this morning? How would it be described by your arrival this morning? Was it oh, I gotta get to, I'm gonna be late, I'm gonna get there, you know? <laughs> and by I by the way, I was blessed to hear the conversations going on before the service this morning. That fellowship is good. You should know each other, know each other's needs. So you can pray for one another. But how would your Worship be described this morning by your arrival. How would it be described by your singing? Did you sing with all your might? Not to call attention to yourself. Especially some of you that can't carry a tune in a bushel basket. You know. But how is it described? Did you sing from your heart? Did you sing from your heart? And how would your worship be described by your praying? When our brother led us in prayer and prayed for Pastor Stevenson. How would your worship be described by your giving? Yeah, the boxes at the doorway. Next week, the deacon's offering. And so how would your worship be described in that, that way? And how would your worship be described in your listening? Okay. Now, they don't have to look at me, but at least you've got to hear it. So. But how would your worship be described in how you listen? Even as God's word is read. We've read two whole chapters in Sunday school. From Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2. By your listening. So what kind of a worshiper are you? And there are three kinds that are found familiar in our text this morning. So don't get lost in the familiarity of the text. We're going to look at the worshipers. Three kinds found here. So 1 Kings chapter 18, we're not going to get to the prayer of Elijah, because everybody knows about that prayer on the mountain, Mount Carmel, and, you know, the fire falling down and all of that. We're going to do what precedes that. So we're going to pick up in verse 17. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord. And it came to pass... When Ahab saw Elijah, and remember it hasn't rained for three and a half years, and Elijah's been hid, he went by the brook Cherith, then he went by the widow and stayed at the widow's home, uh, and she fed him from the barrel of meal and the little cruise of oil, and then God said, okay, go show yourself to Ahab. So, verse 17, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? 
If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Three kinds of worshipers. The first is the worldly worshiper. The worldly worshiper. There will be thousands of people attending all kinds of churches today. And most of them will be worldly worshipers. They will enter their church, but upon leaving, they will go about their affairs, both today, a day set aside to worship and rest, and they'll go about their affairs today, and they'll go about their affairs tomorrow, and they'll go about their affairs the rest of the week. And today, what they do today will hardly be distinguished from what they do the rest of the week. They'll walk out of church today, and they'll go home, and they'll mow their lawn, and they'll nail on their roof shingles, and they'll fix up the garage, and they'll wash their car, and they'll, they'll uh, maybe run down to the store, and they'll do whatever they would do after work on Monday and after work on Tuesday and after work on Wednesday. Hardly distinct. The only distinguisher is that they're a church, that they went to church. They won't be any different than their neighbors. They'll do the same things, the same things. Um, they could care less, really, about worship. It's just kind of a habit. It's just kind of a thing to do. It's kind of, you know, well, we're good people. And we're Christians, and so we need to go to church. And really, they aren't any different than anybody else. Worldly worshipers. Do you realize today is the Lord's day? It's not your day. Yesterday was your day. Yesterday was your day to... Do all of those things we do. Today is the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. Now notice here that many of the worldly worshipers are popular and polished. They're popular and polished. Look at verse 19. In particular, the phrase, they eat at Jezebel's table. Okay? 450 prophets... And the prophets of the groves 400, worldly, who eat at Jezebel's table, popular and polished. Popular because of the number of them, polished because they're able to sit at the queen's table. So polished people. <laughs> they were welcome and, and could eat in the presence of the queen. 
And if you need a new person this week, and a discussion comes up about you or your church, invariably today the question would be asked, or that day the question would be asked, well, how many attend? How many were in Sunday school? How many attend your church? Isn't that the question that a lot of people ask? And often attendance indicates how popular the preacher is or how popular the program is, or how popular the, the people, you know, are, are, do you have prominent people, polished people? You got any lawyers? You got any politicians? You got any, you got any important kind of people in your church? I know of one church where a deacon of the church said to me, quote, the pastor's got so-and-so coming now, and he has done much for the church by his giving. And this man manufactures modular homes. Right? Now, I don't know if he's a believer or not. I don't know if he's come to the Lord or not. But the deacon said to me, this man has done a lot for our church by his giving. Polished, popular, important person an influential, wealthy man, but I wonder, is he merely a worldly worshiper? I can't jump. I can't answer that. But secondly, worldly worshipers are perverse. They're perverse. These were prophets, notice, but prophets of Baal and the groves. You see it in verse, what is it, uh, verse uh, uh, 19? Verse 19. Baal was depicted by the symbol of the bull. And those who worshipped in the groves were connected with fertility rites. But the point is, they were prophets and had great influence upon the people. But they were perverse because of their fleshly practices. Now, if you were to take a survey of people attending churches today and you ask them, what is your greatest wish? What is your greatest concern? What is your greatest desire? Suppose I ask you that. What is your greatest wish? What is your greatest concern? What is your greatest desire? I suspect that most people would reply about something related to the flesh or worldly manners. Maybe you ladies would have, well, I wish I had a different hair color <laughs> or a new, a new salon would open. <laughs> Boy, I wish I, had, wish I had a car like, I won't pick on anybody in the congregation, that doesn't have dents in the back like, one of your deacons. <laughs> or I wish I had a higher paying job, or I wished I had, I wished I had the house of somebody else here than the church, the manor that they, that they live in. Or I wish I had, I wish I had, I wish I had, I wish I had. Few would speak Few would speak 
I wish I was holy. I wish I'd grow closer to the Lord. I wish I could sing that song, more love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. This is my earnest plea, more love to thee. Would you answer like that? The flesh and the desires of the flesh and the world are not godly. They are perverse in comparison to what God desires. Remember Christ on the seashore and Peter's there. Now I've struggled with this in my own wrestling this week. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And I could preach a whole message. What did he mean by more than these? Did he mean the fish? 154 big suckers there. Did he mean the other disciples? Did he, yeah, what did he mean? But Peter, do you love me more than these? How would you have answered that? Lord, what's your desire? Thirdly, the worldly worshipers were not just prophets, but they were prayerful as well. They were prayerful as well. Look at verse 24. Call upon the name of your gods. Verse 24, 25, call upon your gods. Verse 26, they called upon Baal. Verse 28, they cried aloud. They were men of prayer. They were merely worldly worshipers. And connected. They were persistent. And they were passionate. And they were performing. As you know this account. Look at verse 26. And they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even unto noon saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. And they leaped upon the altar which they had made. And then later on, they, at verse 28, they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances. and still the blood gushed out upon them. I mean, you talk about being passionate and persistent and performing. Prayerful. And how deluded are so many people today with national calls for a day of prayer and are led by cults? And false denominations? But they pray. They pray. And prayers for revival and prayers for issue like ending abortion and prayers for world peace, even calls regarding the deterioration of our society. All kinds of prayers and good concepts behind. I'm against abortion, 100%. Okay. But nearly all of them are worldly worshipers. Passionate, persistent, performing. But equally as bad are the prayers offered in many churches today. They sound good. They have a
a semblance of piety, but are empty. As Job puts it, merely words of the wind. As you know, I used to be the principal of a school, Christian school. And part of my responsibility was the discipline of the young men. And invariably, the kindergarten boys didn't understand the disciplines of the school. And so usually, a kindergarten boy has to be paddled once. And that responsibility fell on my shoulders. And in our procedure, the teacher would bring the young man to the office and, and uh, explain what he had done. And I'd turn to the young man and I'd say, did you do this? Did you lie? Did you? And I, I wanted them to say, I lied. I sinned. I wanted them to say, I sinned. Somewhere in our discussion, I sinned. And then in the process, it would be maybe one swat with a paddle or something like that. <clears throat> and then we'd get down on our knees together, and I'd say, look, now, I've forgiven you. Your teacher's forgiven you, because we always had witnesses there. So teacher's forgiven you. Your classmates have forgiven you. And so well, we need to ask for God's forgiveness. So we get down on our knees together, and I'd say, now, I want you to pray first, and I want you to ask God's forgiveness for your sin. And you know how kids pray, and a lot of adults what are the first words? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Right? And immediately I'd interrupt. You know me. <laughs> I would interrupt and I'd say, Johnny, are you thankful for your this day? We just got you just got paddled. Are you thankful? So, oh, you know, and the tears are still. <laughs> so I said, let's start again. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Oh, didn't we just talk about this? There's sometimes three or four times before I got the young man to realize we're not just words of the wind. Not just words of the wind. Um, it's important in that. Um, words of the wind. Is that not like many of our prayers in our churches today? Dear Heavenly Father, bless the gift and the giver. Those who can, those who cannot give. And preachers, we're guilty because we're trying to lead you in prayer in these types of things. Worldly worshipers. And worldly worshipers are phony. They're phony because you notice here, their gods didn't pay any attention to them. There was no voice. Verse 26, there was no voice nor any that answered. And he leaped upon the altar which was made. And one reason why was according to Psalm 115, quote, They are idols of silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell, smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Why? Because they're phony. Because <laughs> they're phony. A worldly worshiper is a phony too. Popular, polished, passionate, 
prayerful, persistent, performing, but phony. Phony. I pray you're not that kind of a worshiper. So let's look at the second one. Next we meet the wavering worshipers. The wavering worshipers. Most revealing today of a wavering worshiper is that of a person who is uninvolved. I have a family that attends our church, has attended for the last 20, let's see, their oldest son is probably 24, maybe 25. So they've attended the last 25 years. Sit in the back row. Nothing against you in the back row. <laughs> Don't turn around and look. <laughs> but they sit in the back row. And our church is different. We have two aisles. So we have a so those of you that sit right in the front, why when I point, it's right here in the front. You know, and then <laughs> but they sit right under the clock in the back row. Twenty-four years. And they sit there. Sunday morning only. Not involved. Essentially come because their children were in school and graduated from our academy. So forth. <clears throat> and most revealing is one who's careless in their attendance, a person who makes no spiritual decisions. No spiritual decisions. How did God deal with you this week in your devotions? Were you really involved in your devotions? Well, Lord, you should pray that prayer. Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. In the Psalms. But wavering worshipers. And there's an individual and a group found in this text. Quickly, we have the politician. He's Obadiah. Now, we didn't read about him, so I'm trusting him. But he's distinguished in two ways. If you look back at the beginning... Uh, he's trying to serve two masters, verse 3. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So he's a believer. Okay, he's a believer. But he's a politician. He's trying to serve two masters. He's trying to serve God. He's trying to serve Ahab as well. Um, He's over his house, but he feared the Lord greatly. In verse 4, he's serving Jezebel, who's killing the Lord's prophets, and, hide, and then he hides those whom he attempts to save. You, you can't serve two masters. He's wavering. He's wavering. And he's being troubled at commitment. Verse 8, in verse 8, uh, 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 Elijah comes along, and, and, he, and he says... In verse 7, art thou my Lord Elijah? And Elijah answered him, I am. Go tell thy Lord Ahab, behold, Elijah is here. Right? And in verses 9 to 14, Obadiah is concerned about obeying the man of God, Elijah. And he fears the unknown and the possible consequences. Because I'm going to go tell Ahab, and then we're going to come. And you've been snatched away again. You've disappeared for three and a half years. And you're going to come back. Well, what, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? A wavering worshiper. No commitment. Careless. Only concerned about themselves. 
Does that describe you? Now here's where salvation begins. Have you been born again? Have you received Christ as your personal Savior? That's a commitment. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve the world and you serve me. If you're going to serve me, you've got to take up your cross daily and follow me. Starts with salvation. What's the next step? Baptism. Baptism. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just shooting in the dark here. Have you received believer's baptism? I'm not talking about infant baptism. I'm not talking about sprinkling or pouring or any of those. When you turn 12, or catechisms or any of those things. No. no, have you received believer's baptism? And you read about that in Acts chapter 2. They that received the world were gladly were baptized. And then have you become part of the local church? They were added to the church. Have become part of the local church. So we're talking about church membership in that regard. <clears throat> and then we talk about service. Service. What responsibility do you have to this church? What responsibility? What kind of a commitment do you have here? Or are you a wavering worshiper? Well, I can go. I can sit in a pew. Nobody's going to ask me to do anything. And they don't pass the offering plate, so I don't have to put anything in there. <laughs> you know, Politician. But then in verse 21, notice the people. They're distinguished in two ways as well. First of all, they're silent. See, they answered not a word. They answered not a word. We don't want to make a spiritual decision. Uh, maybe Baal will answer. Yeah, maybe my car will, maybe my neighbor will get a new car this week and, and talk about it. And maybe so-and-so will get promoted. I don't know if I want to commit, to, you know, to what the Lord wants. They're silent. And maybe it will cost me. Jezebel and Ahab will be able to identify me. <laughs> you wouldn't want that, would you, in those days? And since we can't see God... We can't see God. Maybe he won't require of us anything. They're silent. And they're unsupported. In verses 31 to 35, I won't take the time to read it. Well, maybe I ought to. Verse 31. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the twat. 12 tribes, verse 32, with the stones he built an altar, made a trench, as great as it could contain two measures of meal, he put wood in the altar, cut the bullock in pieces, laid him on the wood, said, fill four barrels with water, do it again, and do it again, and do it again. And the water ran about the trench, and he filled the trench also with water. They're unsupported. Who built the altar? Elijah. Who laid the stones in order? Elijah. Who done the trench? Elijah. Who cut, laid the wood? Who cut the bullet? Now, maybe they helped with the water, but it seems as though they're standing off because in verse 36, Elijah has to say to them, come near. Come near. But before that, they're, oh, I don't want to get involved too much with this. You know, I, Don't count on me. You know, don't count on me. Unsupported. When was the last time 
you made a spiritual decision. When was the last time you made a spiritual decision? When you said, this is God's will for me. This is what God wants from me. This is what God desires. This is what I need to do. Because I've read here about this. Silent, unsupportive, wavering worshipers. No spiritual decisions. And could you say, I discovered this in God's word this week, and I will do it, or I have done it. I have done it. And there's all we could do the whole game. Men, leading your family in prayer, having family devotions with your children, and, and all of these kind of, you know, passing out a tract. I mean, we could go all kinds of directions. Or are you unsupported, silent, wavering worshipers? Now, quickly, Elijah is pictured here as the worshiping worshipers. Say that 10 times fast. The worshiping worshipers. Where are the 100 prophets that Obadiah hid? Remember, 50 in this cave and 50 in this cave, and he takes some bread and water or whatever it was here. Where are they? Where are they? It seems that they remain hidden, and Elijah is the only one willing to worship and stand alone. And later you can read about that, but there were 7,000 in the land. Elijah didn't even know about them. 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal, but just a remnant, just a few. Click, 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 click in your mind. Go back to Genesis chapter 6. In all of the world's population, and imagine how it had, it had expanded since Adam and Eve. Because there wasn't COVID then. <laughs> there wasn't all the cancers then. There wasn't Because it hadn't had time to build in the genes in the population. Imagine what the population of the world was like in Genesis chapter 6. They begat sons and daughters and begat sons and daughters and begat sons and daughters. And so, but only eight. were worshiping worshipers, only eight, just a few. Now notice here quickly, a worshiping worshiper is faithful. In verse 1, God commanded him to go, and he went. Where the Lord came, go, show. And Elijah went, in verse 2. What does God require of you? Deuteronomy 10:12, quote, to fear God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve him with all thy heart and soul, to keep his commandments, and Micah 6:8 adds, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Would those observing you say, there's a 
faithful person. There's a faithful person. At 9.30, they're loading the car up. Where are they? Dad, where are they going? They're going to Sunday school. <laughs> but it's snowing out. They're going to Sunday school. At quarter of 11, Mom, where are they going? They're going to church again. Could your neighbor say that to you? Faithful? Faithful? Notice, secondly, a worshiping worshiper is fearless. Is fearless. Go show thyself to Ahab. Verse 15, I will show myself unto him today. Plus, Elijah is not afraid to put God to the test. Kind of reminds you of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> I don't care, king. Put up your idol, whatever it is. We're not going to bow. We're not going to bow. Fearless. Even Daniel. But notice, if you read here, at the end of the chapter, Elijah slays the 850 false prophets. Fearless. Fearless. And connected with that, a worshiping worshiper is fervent. It's fervent. One of the best known prayers of the Bible is this prayer that's found in uh, 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 verse, uh, let's, uh, verse 37, uh, verse 36 and 37. Best known prayer, one of the best known prayers of the Bible. And don't forget his other prayers. He's prayed for three and a half years. It wouldn't rain. Can you imagine going out every day? Oh, there's a cloud coming there, Lord. Don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. Oh, the sky in the morning. Sailor, take warning. Lord, Lord, don't let it rain today. I think he prayed every day for three and a half years that it wouldn't rain. But then at the end of the chapter, he prays for it to rain. And the servant says, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And he says, go tell Ahab. And, and then he outruns the chariot. I've been to that place. It's about 15 miles. He ran a half a marathon. And he outran the chariot. There. Fervent. Fervent. He cried to the Lord for the life of the widow's son. And he probably prayed every day that the handful of meal would still be there in the barrel, a little oil in the cruise. Fervent. Fourthly, a worshiping worshiper can be fatigued. Did you ever get tired doing the Lord's work? Imagine after all that's taken place on this day and then killing 850 false prophets and outrunning the chariot. Imagine if you're Elijah. Fatigued. Fatigued. James tells us, that Elijah was a man of like passions such as we have. Such as we have. But in the end, something more. With this, we'll conclude. A worshiping worshiper remains focused. Chapter 19, verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Elijah, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. 
And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphath, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So he departed thence. Elisha, you know the rest of the story. You see, Elisha, Elijah had more work to do, more work to do, and he went about doing it. He was focused. So what kind of a worshiper are you? I trust you're not a worldly worshiper. Just an actor. I trust you're not a wavering worshiper. You've made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. And you followed him in believer's baptism. That's a commitment. You've become part of this church. You serve. You serve. You're not, oh, well, man, it's been a long, tiring week. I tell you, mow my cemetery. <laughs> that tires you out. I slept well last night. But somebody's got somebody's to vacuum this place. Well, you've got a fake vacuum cleaner, that's right. <laughs> but somebody's got to mow the grass and weed eat and, and things like that. Well, I'm tired. I've got to do my own. I've got to do my own. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Peter, lovest thou me? More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. Are you a worshiping worshiper? And let's just sing a verse of number five in your hymn book. Number five, just a verse to conclude. You've been patient. Which hymn book have you got? The Majesty? Is that number five? No, the other one? Rejoice. All right, let's just sing a verse of number five. Yes, I will praise him. Let's stand, shall we? Number five, just the first verse. No, let's sing the last verse. Let's sing the last verse, okay? Glory, glory to the Father, glory, glory to the Son, glory, glory to the Spirit, glory to the three in one. I will praise him, I will praise him, praise the Lamb for sinners Now, Heavenly Father, we go from this place. I pray that you might have touched each of our hearts, my own included. May we go from here thankful for thee, our God, who hears 
and sees and knows and answers our prayers. In Jesus' name.